0: Recognise the traditional owners of the land on which it's recorded. They pay respect to the Aboriginal elders past, present and those emerging. Today's guest on Calm Your Farm is the one and only Mick Thomas, the singer-songwriter of Weddings, Parties, Anything, who brought us, among other anthems, this, the great lament of divorced dads everywhere, Father's Day. Of the legendary drinking habits of the band, Paul Kelly once said, We did a lot of shows with the widows and had all night sing alongs with them. We liked to drink and weren't shy about it, but the widows made us look like ladies at a tea party. I'm Michelle Laurie and this is Calm Your Farm tips and tricks for taking care of you from the unlikeliest of gurus. Mick Thomas is part owner of a Melbourne pub but he's also a husband and a dad and he managed to write an entire album during his COVID isolation. It's called See You on the Other Side, a postcard from April 2020. It features an incredible list of musicians including Angie Hart, Nick Barker, Alana Rusak, Cam Butler and Vicky Thorne, to name just a few. But if you think lockdown mellowed, Mick you've got another thing coming.
1: One of the things as, a, as an older person is you, you realise you, you just run out of time with everything that you do. Like every afternoon, I'd sort of take our daughter out and we just go around the, you know, the suburb really. And get and, and everyone started going down by the creek and so we've got this little creek that runs through the northern suburbs, Merry Creek. And, you know, people go down there a bit, a bit. But during the lockdown, people are down there every day. There's people down there all day. And at one stage, Sasa's there with a couple of her school buddies, which we'd sort of run into every day. And they were just in the creek just getting dirty and running around, having, having an absolute ball. And this old woman sort of came along, and she was like an apparition, you know, and she just said, isn't it good? She said, the kids are playing in their own suburb again. And I sort of thought that's really true because anyone that's got kids, you know, you're driving them here to go to Bouncy World, uh, you know, for a party, and they've got to go to calisthenics. So you're, you're driving them everywhere. And even you know, we've we've tried to be really local in our focus on what our child does, but inevitably you've got them in the car and you're driving out of the suburb, and all of a sudden everyone was concentrating on yeah, you know, what was at hand and that's a really beautiful thing you know and if people baked more that's a good thing too you know people did more stuff around the house I don't know there there were really good elements to it and I I, I tried to make this thing at the start of the lockdown I, I just rang a couple of people out of the blue and they said what's up what are you doing I said nothing I just rang you just to say hello and a few people were really surprised and I said well I'm trying to start a movement here, you know, that people will just ring each other and talk to each other. Um, And and I can't start this movement on Facebook, right? It would be idiotic to try and start a movement about people talking to each other on Facebook. But, look, I'm really sorry for the millennials that believe it's somehow fucking impolite to ring people up, that I have to somehow book a phone call, you know. And I, I could tell you probably X amount of people that, might be common friends to us that if you ring them out of the blue they don't take your call and you know especially in the middle of the lockdown, I'm going hang on you're locked down, so you're looking at your phone, you know it's me you're choosing not to speak to me. I think that's rude, and that's old that's old fashioned, but i I, I kind of like the idea of just being able to ring people and speak to them, and I know I've been through a few traumatic things with people and you know a, a phone call can do what 20 texts and four emails can do in 10 minutes and just take my fucking call. So, anyway, I started ringing people just out of the blue. And so, yes, maybe on a Saturday night, I'd be sitting there having a drink and I just go, I'm just going to ring so and so and just ring them up and just speak. And, you know, it's my, my argument is had technology happened in a more logical sense, SMS would have happened before phone calls, right? So, you, you would have gone from, all right, what's the original form of communication remotely. Letters, right? People write letters. When you go from writing letters, maybe Telegram would be next, then all of a sudden you can send someone an SMS and you can send someone an email. Then if phone calls had came later in the thing, all the kids would be going, oh, it's amazing you can just call your mate and you can actually speak to them. But somehow because it happened early in the piece and all these other things superseded it, phone calls have become this kind of, I don't know, this really weird currency that people don't. Put any stock in, but I think it was really important to be able to ring people and just speak to them, you know. So anyway, that was what one of the things that we did during the lockdown is that we just sort of, I just rang people pretty regularly and just had a guest bag, you know. And because it's, yeah, look, it's 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 really really important, you know. Um, uh, yeah, look, it's I, I had some funny things because I did a whole lot of recording during the lockdown. Uh, in, in isolation, and it was really great in one regard, keeping in touch with all these musicians and getting the files in. And it was so important, you know. I would go, oh, someone had sent me a text. They go, oh, I've just sent you a file. Yeah, which is where texts are really valuable. Yeah, so I've just sent you a file of a, you know a bass part or a vocal. I've just sent you a vocal part. Okay, and I'd be sitting there at go, Okay, uh, we finished. Have we finished? Yeah, because then I would go run right at the studio, and the file's going to be there, and I get to sort of put it in this track and you get that little rush of blood, you know, like it's a creative creative thing. And it was really, that was a form of connection that was really important to me. But I guess the unfortunate side of it was that because there was sort of no handbrake on, on your life, you know, um, I just kind of was drinking every night just to go to the studio. So I'd just take a bunch of cans out there and open up the Pro Tools and, you know, get cracking. And it was really enjoyable. And I, But I felt like I was in this weird little alcoholic spaceship you know that was just sort of floating above the world you know and it was it was so in one way it was very isolating in one way it was very um, very connecting you know to yeah it was was a little paradox within itself look I've got sort of various opinions on the whole you know current spotlight on you know mental health because I I kind of think we've become very self-obsessed you know and people people just think about themselves way too fucking much and and I was kind of say that because I, I, I can think of the, the couple of people that have really adversely affected me in the last few years have been self-obsessed people and people who have been really concerned with it for their mental health. And I, and I, I, I know with a couple of others I've said, you're so fucking obsessed in your own mental health that you do not think about other people and you've really adversely affected me. And wouldn't it be better if you just got over it and forgot about it? Forgot about yourself for a while and thought about other people. And I was brought up in, a, you know, like quite a quite a Christian sort of background, right? And I um, mean, I'm, I'm not Christian at all. I'm, I'm an atheist. But I kind of have do have a strong belief in trying to be empathetic and, and consider others. And I just think I had a really bad situation with a stalker a few years ago that really, really hurt me and really crushed my life, you know. And I I got to the stage where I had to go to this woman's family and say, you know, you have to do something about this. This is really crushing my life, right? And they just said, Mick, they said she was in an institution and she got thrown out and there's no services to help this woman. There was no help for her. On that really basic level, screamed and yelled and, you know, My partner, uh, Jenny, and I hadn't been going out together that long and it was really traumatic for her. And um, there was nowhere to turn. Via this woman's family, who were really helpful, by the way, and they they were really understanding and and she'd done it before to other people. So they will fully recognise that It was no fault of mine. I don't even know what happened to her. You know, like it just went away. Like, but I'm talking court cases and court cases and appearances and intervention orders and you know, like all this stuff. And it was it was so traumatic and distressing. Look, I mean, I guess I just handled it by, you know, I mean, I'm lucky. I can go and do gigs. I'm, I mean, that's a really great outlet for me. You know, I mean, playing music live is kind of everything for me. Really, it's. Uh, it's a it's a total outlet emotionally, and uh, so I had that, and you know, um, Jenny and I were pretty strong at the time, and that was that was really helpful. Look, the first few gigs that we did, and, and we jumped out of the blocks really quickly in December, that was sort of meaningful beyond words. You know, people were teary at every gig, and, and you're just talking to people who just haven't been out much, you know, and and it really does matter to some people to to sort of get out and i don't know what the next generation whether they're going to go out in the same way and love music the same way we loved it because you we know, we're we're a product of the of the 60s and the 70s when music was the central part of popular culture and and it, it no longer is you know gaming is probably a more central part of popular culture doing stuff online and so i don't know where that's going to leave people in terms of their their brains uh, going forward but certainly to go out and play in pubs and just to be with people it, it was so important now, this guy made this funny joke he said to me he said it was so weird watching you and he said I just said to my wife he said it was just like a 3D Zoom concert <laughs> and I thought you know like we get so used to seeing each other on screens like it, it, when I got your thing about this podcast about doing this podcast that we're doing now because I'm old I met I say, oh yeah well when do I come in and you know sit down with you but here we are doing it on a screen and that's great use of technology and and you know that we're mates and I'll, I'll meet you at the bar at pub or we'll play music or whatever and we have a, a an actual personal connection but there's all these people that only exist for each other on screens so and that's weird isn't it you know like a, i don't know i don't know I, I i think it's really important to get out and see people you know and go to the pool run around the park or you know but walk your dog you know just to get out
0: for more tips on taking care of you from the unlikeliest of gurus including recipes for relaxing body products you can make at home things to read and watch instead of scrolling through your phone cheap cheerful and calming gift ideas go to calm we'd love to hear your ideas too This has been another Smartfella production in conjunction with the Acast Creator Network.